Welcome to the 50th Talk Racing to Me. I'm your host, Naomi Tucker. All is well here in Maryland. Maryland, Baltimore, hi-ho, Pimlico. Catch me on the stream every single race day when we are live. Of course, we are heading into a big week. Preakness 146 is upon us. Unfortunately, the news today was that of Brad Cox announcing Kentucky Derby second Mandaloon and Arkansas Derby second Caddo River won't be heading our way. That was a bit of a damper, but uh, we shall soldier on. We hopefully will see Kentucky Derby victor Medina Spirit, Midnight Bourbon, Concert Tour, Ron Bauer, Crowded Trade, Franz Godeina, the Japanese contender, Ram, Unbridled Honor, all those do battle in Baltimore. Of course, the In The Money media team will keep you up to date and we have been brainstorming as to our show ideas for next week. You will be right in the midst of all the action. As you've come to expect, the guests on this week's show have been informative, entertaining and candid and this episode is characterized by a man who embodies racing. His first ever call was in August of 1973 at Marcus Downs, and Tampa Bay legend Richard Grunder has never looked back since. The 68-year-old was the current longest tenured announcer at any racetrack in the United States. And let him take you on the story and recall his final day in the booth and everything that preceded it. Richard, I'm, I'm so happy that you took some of your time today to join me because as you mentioned before when we briefly spoke, you had quite the weekend. Um, <laughs> after yes, 37 years, uh, you know, you called it a day at Tampa Bay Downs last Sunday. Would you be able to share with me your experience of that day, uh, waking Absolutely. up? Did you think... This is it, sure. the last time? <laughs> yes, I, uh, it was quite a, yes, it was quite an experience. Uh, it was a sad day, but it was a happy day. Uh, obviously, uh, you know, but, uh, the different videos that came in and the tributes and, uh, and, you know, the nice text messages and voicemails that I got from around the country was very, very special and I'll never, ever forget it. And uh, a few of them were kind of surprising. And, uh, but yes, it was, uh, yeah, it was kind of melancholy. It was just, uh, you know, as I was getting closer to the last one, it, uh, I'll be honest, I teared up a few times and I barely got through the last race, but, uh, we made it and, uh, and, you know, time stops for nobody and, uh, turn the page. I'm, I'm very, very blessed. I did listen to, to your final call. I think you did a marvelous job, even <laughs> though if you're, as you just said, uh, we're becoming a little bit emotional. Did, was there any, <laughs> doubt in your mind throughout the day as you were getting towards that final race maybe you know oh is this the right decision or was it just very clear cut and this was it no no as far getting through the day I had doubts if I could do that or not but yes it was uh, it was something that I was uh, yes very clear cut uh, I'm just uh, walking away and uh, and I had made the decision uh, actually uh, we did the press release I believe April 2nd or so but I had made the decision back uh back there in March, uh, had a little flare up on a medical issue. And that's not, not life or death, doom and gloom, but something I need to kind of stay on top of. And, um, my cardiologist said, yeah, you know what, it's, uh, especially with your job and everything. Cause I get, 
you know, pumped up in my work and one thing and another. So now it, it's all, it's all good decision I made. And I knew it was coming. I, you know, I just kept thinking, but uh, you know, I'll be 69 August 15th. So, I mean, it's, it, it's time. And I had a great run. Very, very blessed. Could you elaborate a little bit saying you get pumped up a little, of course, as a race call race caller, you, you know, you get, you put some of your character in your calls and I guess you get, you know, very excited too, when it's close finishes or anything, uh, any big races, but tell me a little bit about that because is it very physically demanding? Well, not really physically, just mentally. Uh, and, you know, you do, uh, and I'm very fortunate to have a lot of friends that uh, have uh, train horses, a lot of friends that ride horses, a lot of jockeys are good friends of mine. And, you know, it's always in the back of your head whenever there's a spill or anything, then that just tears your heart out. And the first thing you're thinking of is, you know, God bless the riders and hopefully nobody gets hurt because I've uh, I've lost uh, one rider and I've got two good friends that are in chairs now, you know, so that's part of the part of the game. But uh, yes, it's just, it's an exciting sport and uh, you know, I get excited with it and, uh, and I just never, I sure never lost that in excitement uh, till the very last day. And I just uh, love the sport. We'll continue to love the sport. And uh, it's uh, the greatest game played outdoors in my opinion. <laughs> yeah. And know that you'll remain within horse racing. We'll get to that in just a second throughout the day uh, you know did you get the chance to talk with anyone were people sending you messages saying you know oh. good luck on your last day yes they did but uh, to be honest i uh, i just i didn't return any of them uh i had messages and voice messages from people all over the country and a, a lot of friends of mine um, um from clear out in uh, british columbia you know and a lot of friends uh, that i knew that had passed away and their their sons and daughters were sending me messages and of course I knew them when they were just little kids and stuff but uh yes it was uh I didn't answer any of them during the day I didn't talk to anybody during the day because it was tough enough uh they did the tribute between races five and six and that was a little race six was a little tough to get through and uh so no I just waited and wrapped it all up and then last couple of days I got caught up on all the messages and uh and I had uh I had uh, quite, quite quite a few of them uh, like I said very blessed and it was very humbling yeah, but I returned each and every one of them. And uh, yeah, it was just, uh, yeah, it was good. It was just, uh, just a well, just a, a, a good day, a memorable day, something I'll never, ever, ever forget. And it was so nice of the management to do the way they did. And then I had some surprises after the races at a little get together we had and, uh, and a couple of people that flew in to see me that I hadn't seen in a while. And uh, yeah, it was very special, very lucky, very lucky. It's, it sounds like a wonderful day and I'm very glad that that's the way you were able to call it a day on your announcing career. But after 37,587 calls, which is just <laughs> an incredible number, I mean, yeah. that just, I don't know if that even, does that sink in with you? If you think about that number, does that, you know, what does that mean to you? No, you know, it, it, it really doesn't because it just seems like it's like the Kenny Chesney song uh, a few years ago, the country song, uh, Blink, you know, just blink of an eye. Diane and I were headed down Hillsborough Avenue in December of 1984. Little Chad was four years old and we're looking for Old Smart Florida and didn't know anybody. And I came all the way from Portland, Oregon. And, uh, you know, and I had I was, you know, believe it or not, I was I was I was getting on my way when I got here 37 years ago because I'd been all across Western Canada. And, and uh and out in the pacific northwest and the midwest and one thing another but uh so i'd like to say totally i was here 37 years and then totally was 48 years but uh yes it it, it just doesn't seem like it just doesn't seem like it uh 
you know, it, it just went so fast, but you know how time is. I mean, you know, when nine 11 come around, we had the 10 year anniversary and then the 15 and then the 20 year. And you're thinking, man, you know, where'd those 20 years go? But uh, it makes you realize that you just better enjoy every single day because uh, nothing's given and it goes by very, very, very fast. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I, I can't say I, I know that experience no. just yet. I hope one day I get yes. to echo your sentiment. But that final race call, the 10th race uh, at Tampa Bay Downs, uh, you, you said some words uh, at the end of your call. I don't know if you would mind repeating them. And did they come up just in that moment? Or was that something that, you know, this is what I wanted to say? You know what, to be honest, it just kind of, flew out you know i was thinking about uh yeah i just think about the whole industry and uh, and how great it's been to me and and what a great industry it is and all the friends that i've been so blessed to have over the years and uh and so i just uh, you know they crossed the wire and photo for fourth and you know it was kind of one of those deals where i didn't didn't quite want to quit yet and then the, the jockeys just surprised me they did a deal down in front of the grandstand after the last race and of course i i was breaking down during that and uh they just, uh, you know, saluted me coming onto the track with their horses for the last. And then they did their little deal down there. They were just hollering and jumping up and down. And because I was getting, I put my binoculars away. And of course, I was tearing up pretty good anyway. And, and so the steward says, look out the window. So that, uh, that was really the final, final curtain call. But uh, it was very nice of them. They know how much I respect jockeys and incredible athletes they are. And, uh, and I say a prayer for them every day. Yeah. Well, you kind of nearly have, have me silent here for a moment, just, you know, listening to how much you care about the industry professionals, the industry itself. And I'll, I'll just quickly repeat what you said for all the listeners. If they haven't heard your final call, you said, and that's a wrap from Tampa and God bless everyone involved in the thoroughbred industry, which I thought was just a quite a wonderful sentiment. And as you mentioned, then everyone lined up and gave you an appropriate <laughs> goodbye. I mean, that says it all, right? How much uh, you're respected and, and how yeah. everyone will miss you. Well, you know, it, uh, you know, it, uh, it was, it was just a heck of a run, but like I told a few of them, I just, I just, uh, was very, very overcome, very humbling, but, uh, you know what, uh, get on and, uh, you know what, uh, very fortunate, but you know what? I had my 15 minutes of fame and I'm yesterday's news. So let's turn the page and, uh, and uh, go on and make some more memories in every aspect, whatever we do. Absolutely. So what will turning the page entail for you after this? What is next? A lot of, a lot of fishing. And I, and I, Canterbury Park in Minnesota is my second home. I've been going up there for years and I will continue to be in the business. I, I hustle book up there and I have uh, for quite a few years and me and Alonzo Canonas will go up there and, and, uh, I've already got three or four fishing trips lined up uh, in northern Minnesota. And then uh, when hopefully, hopefully Canada, when they open up, I'll be getting up in there to July and August. And uh, and I told Alonzo, I said, you know, I'll still be there and I'll do my job and everything. But, you know, I'm I'm going to uh, have a friend of mine kind of help me out on the days that I won't be there. And he said, oh, absolutely. No problem at all. We'll be fine. And uh, so, yeah, I'm going to still, you know, go to Canterbury and enjoy the summer in Minnesota and uh pop down to Kansas and um, watch my, uh, see my son. He lives in El Dorado, Kansas, outside of Wichita. He's a football coach down there. And, uh, and then I'll get back here. Uh, it's not that long of a meet. I'll be back home in September. And then me and Diana are going to head back up and, and uh, see her family and my son and then uh, do a little traveling and 
next winter get back to Oakland Park. I haven't been there in years and go to a few winter tracks that uh, I haven't been able to go to, obviously, in the last uh, past 40 years. So, yeah, just uh, cruise around, try to keep myself busy and uh, stay up on racing. Uh, you know, I'll be I'll be watching TVG and watching around the country and uh, but I'll be uh, I'll be going after uh, different species of fish hard and heavy. <laughs> It sounds like you'll be quite busy indeed and also be checking a few boxes when it comes to different racetracks. It sounds like the ideal situation, really. Y yes, I do. I tell you what, I've already, I've got a lot of friends of mine that race at Oakland Park in the wintertime. And um, like in one of the stories they did on me, I, you know, I, last time I was at Oakland was 1974. I was uh, rubbing horses there for red pain and I lived in tack room uh, barn seven. And it was in those days, there weren't dorm rooms. They were real tack rooms. I mean, I was right in there with a, you know, the saddles and the blankets and the, and the feed barrel and had my cot and a few clothes hung up. So I said, well, this time around, uh, you know, 40 years later, I'm going to be, uh, have a little better living accommodations, but I'm planning on, uh, but I told, I told a few of those guys, Robertino Diodoro and a few of those guys, I said, I'm not coming early. I'm going to wait, uh, wait till later on when the meat gets nice, but get back there for the rebel and maybe make two or three trips back there. And then got a friend of mine that hustles book in Santa Anita and I haven't been there in a lot of years. So I'll go out there for a few days and visit a few of my buddies out there that I worked with in the Pacific Northwest many years ago that drifted on down to California. So anyway, I'm going to do, uh, I'm, uh, you know, I'm a, I'm a race tracker, so I'm going to visit a lot of racetracks and, uh, and a few of them I've never been to before and, uh, and just keep uh, bopping around and, uh, and, uh, and, and see some people and, uh, and make the most of it. Oh, that certainly to me sounds like an ideal <laughs> trip, if, if anything, going to all those wonderful tracks at the, you know, at the height of their meets and being able to say hello to all your old friends and, and colleagues. Yes. Certainly yes, something yes. you've earned, I dare say, over the years. But uh, let's go back to when you were younger. I was trying to, you know, read up on where you've worked and where <laughs> you've been. And, and my God, it's, it's the most amazing <laughs> list of tracks. But you grew yeah. up in... Dodge City, though, Kansas. But yes, then I that. saw that you had your family involved um, in horse racing in La Mesa Park in Raton, New Mexico, which is what, about four and a half yes. hours away from yes. how, yeah. how did that all come about? Yeah, Raton, New Mexico. Uh, uh, long story short, we didn't have horse racing in Kansas then. The Prairie Mutual Bill had not been passed. Uh, similar to Oklahoma, Minnesota, and different states. But anyway, uh, my father was a railroader, and my mother worked for the federal government. But my father had enough seniority. He was able to take our small stable of horses, and we raced in New Mexico. And uh, so uh, during the springtime, when school was still on, I would jump on the train Friday afternoon, and I'd ride the train out there. It was actually it was actually a mileage-wise about, about 400 miles from Dodge out to Raton, New Mexico. But plane train would get in there at 11 o'clock at night, and then I would uh, – be at the barn the next morning. And then I got a job being a photo finish runner at the track. And I, I worked Saturdays and Sundays. And then I jumped on the train and come back to Dodge City and went back to school. And then obviously, after Memorial Weekend, then I was able to spend the whole summer out there with my with my dad. And then my mom would come back on weekends, back and forth on weekends. But so basically, uh, yeah, I was a press box junkie when I was uh, in third grade, eight years old in 1960. <laughs> wow. You, you definitely got in there very, very early. I'm, I'm quite jealous. I didn't get into horse racing until I was 18. I, uh, horses, but not horse racing because in the Netherlands, yes. where I'm oh, from, sure. it isn't that prevalent. So, wow. And, and that sparked a, a lifelong interest for you. And of course, also the desire to become an announcer i can imagine when did you conjure that idea 
well, I was in the press box and uh, I was cleaning stalls for my dad and walking haunts and just, you know, little towhead eight-year-old kid, you know, and all of a sudden the racing secretary tells my dad, he said, do you know anybody around there, any Gallup boys or people that don't have afternoon jobs if they'd want to run photo finishes? And of course, obviously, uh, I tell the story in our photo finish operator here, Jen, she just kind of looked at me, what do you mean run photos? Well, in those days, Mendelssohn Film you develop the, you know, you develop the film and you hung them up and then, and then he would turn on the light after he developed it. And I'd grab the pictures and I'd run down to the grandstand in the clubhouse and they had a little glass cage there and I had the key to it. And I'd pull over a stool and climb up there and the people would all say, well, here comes photo boy. And I would, uh, I would open up the, open up the, the window and, and, and put staple the staple, the big photo in there because in those days, you know, they didn't have them on the jumbotrons and everything like that. And people waited for those photos to see, you know, oh, man, I thought I won or or whatever. And uh, so I was uh, it was a very important job to me because when I come down the stairs, boy, they were waiting to they were all waiting to see the photo. And uh, and I made three dollars a day. And uh, and uh, it was uh, and I was part of the then I would run sodas and popcorn and and eats for the track announcer and the three stewards. So, like I said, I was up there bugging them from the time I was in third grade on. <laughs> wow, that, that you must have seen it all. <laughs> yeah, I, you've been everywhere. Quite, a, quite a bit, quite a bit. Yes, I, uh, yeah, I was, uh, I was eight years old, jumping on the train, and I tell that story, and people said you rode the train by yourself. But see, my father was a mainstay with the Santa Fe Railroad, and he knew all the conductors and everything, and. I, he'd, I'd just load on the train and I'd be right up, you know, I'd be right up front and with the engineer. And I mean, everybody knew me, you know, I was Dean Grunder's boy and, and they'd be there, receive me at 11 o'clock at night and I'd go clean stalls in the morning and then I'd hustle off to the grandstand. And that's the part I liked. I wasn't, I wasn't real high on the barn part of it. I mean, I liked horses, but I said, eh, you know, that, uh, that, that barn part wasn't really me. And then I worked upstairs and run, run sodas for the announcer and, then about a week later, I told my mother, I said, Mom, I'm going to be a horse track announcer. And she said, well, yeah, whatever. I thought last week it was a fireman. And then you wanted to be a, a, a policeman and an astronaut. And I said, no, no, I'm, I finally decided. I, my mom tells me, I don't remember that. My mom says, you, your words were just, I finally decided I'm going to be a horse track announcer. And I was eight years old. <laughs> you finally decided. That's yeah. very good emphasis there. Finally decided what you wanted to be. You were very late to it, weren't you? Yeah. No, and my mother tells me that story. And and she said, you know, you 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 were always going to be there. Well, you know, the typical football player. And I was going to do this and a cop and, uh, you know, a fireman and um, whatever seemed like whatever we learned in school. That's what I wanted to do. And of course, I never wanted to be a school teacher because I wasn't uh, I wasn't too up about school. I was, you know, I was, I was, when they were all doing their lessons, I was reading the daily racing form. I literally had to, I was, I was reading the racing form, you know, clear back, clear back when it was 50 cents a copy. So that was a long time ago, but yeah, I, uh, I told my mom I wanted to be a racetrack announcer. And, and now I look back and uh, a lot of ups and downs. I mean, a lot of traveling, a lot of traveling, me and me and my bride and uh, we'd been married uh, 47 years, April 6th. And, uh, a lot of traveling and uh, a lot of ups and downs, and missed jobs and, and you know, um, short meets and, you know, moving furniture around. And uh, one year we stayed, we were reminiscing on the couch the other day watching TV. And we, we, uh, we were in six different apartments in one year, lugging furniture up and downstairs. Wow. And it was, uh, it wasn't all, uh, you know, it wasn't all glory and good times. And, uh, and, you know, two kids heading down the highway and, 
and uh, she was a trooper. She always got a job at the racing commission or in the mutual department or whatever. But uh, we uh, we stuck it out, and uh, and you know what? The plan all come together. So I think that I think the man upstairs directed traffic, and I followed orders, and uh, it all come together. <laughs> Yeah, what you're highlighting here is that very nomadic lifestyle that is very American because I don't think in any other country whether where we'd have horse racing is it as meat based as it is in the United States and indeed short meats and then it's the season here and then it's the season there. That is also very challenging. Is there any racetrack or any sort of period that you enjoyed the most in terms of meats? You know what? It yeah. I mean, obviously, obviously, when it's all said and done, Tampa Bay Downs is my favorite. I've been here the longest. Uh, great stable, stable management uh, here with Mrs. Stella there owning it all those years, and and uh, she didn't you know go for a lot of knee jerk reactions like a lot of ownerships have done over the years. And uh, stable management, and that is a big plus of it. But uh, I really enjoyed my years in the Pacific Northwest at Portland Meadows. I had the opportunity to work for a gentleman and. And it's so sad. I'd talked to him just a few days. Uh, he was starting to fail pretty bad, Arthur McFadden. And he was one of my, well, he was my most favorite general manager of all times. He was the first one that gave me a job in the United States after working eight years in Western Canada. And um, and he just passed away, just uh, just just passed away about four or five days before I retired. But we had a nice visit. But yeah, Portland, Oregon, um, a lot of rain. But the Pacific Northwest was just beautiful, beautiful country. And, and of course, I loved steelhead fishing out there. And uh, and I had a lot of good friends out there. And I worked there for seven winters. But uh, yeah, Portland Meadows and, uh, of course, Exarbon in the old days. Uh, that was a major league racetrack. I mean, boy, I'll tell you what, it was uh, it was the who's who. They produced uh, a lot of champion horses out of Exarbon and uh, massive masses of people that showed up at the races. Unfortunately, it's it, uh, you know, it, it, it doesn't exist anymore, like Hollywood Park and Long Acres and a lot of them. But uh, yeah, those are probably my favorites. But but number one, number one is Tampa Bay Downs, and it will always be Tampa Bay Downs. And I told uh, Peter Berube and Mrs. Thayer on my little party they had for me after the races, I'm, uh, I've been accused of being a cheerleader for Tampa Bay Downs. And, uh, and you know what, I'm going to continue to be because it's a great, it's a great spot, a great racing surface, a great turf course. And uh, it's just a good spot for horses to develop. And uh, it's tough. It's a tough, tough meat. You know, it's tough meat for not that much money because we don't have gaming. But, but I will uh, continue to uh, be, a, be a cheerleader for Tampa Bay Downs till I take my last breath. It's a, it's a great place. They've been very good to me. And I, I, can't, thank, uh, I can't thank them enough and, uh, for keeping me around that many years. Because in this business, it's tough. It's tough to keep a, a job a long time because, you know, you have change in ownerships, change in managements, uh, conflicts of personalities. And I was able to, uh, you know, to to tread through the water, and make it make it through the different general managers. But they landed on a good one now, Peter Bruby, and he's been there, whew, I think, 22, 23 straight years. And, and uh, it's just a very stable environment here. Yeah, well, nothing wrong with cheerleading uh, for a track that has been your home for the last couple of decades. And what you were mentioning there, being able to continue as an announcer, you, before your retirement, of course, now will still be holder of the, you know, the record for long, longest tenured announcer at any racetrack in, in the US. And that's, of course, a testament to, to your hard work and, and being able to ride those waves as well. <laughs> as you highlighted, that kind of, 
been easy but talking about fond memories do you have a, a race call that you're most proud of or one that you just have uh, fond memories of you know what i sure do that's a very good question and there's probably it's tough there's probably about three or four that really stick out uh well believe it or not one of them is uh little saskatoon saskatchewan i mean i was 20 years old and cbc came in and it was nationally telecast uh up there when uh, in 1973 the saskatchewan derby but fast mm -hmm. forward and on uh, the the Cornhusker uh, the Cornhusker Stakes at Exarbon uh, was a good race, and then down here streets. My 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 favorite of all probably was the 07 Tampa Bay Derby Street Sense, and any given Saturday, it was just such a great race, and and Street Sense was a, such an incredible horse, and it and it uh, and it, it added to it that Carl Napsker was a good friend of mine that I had met in Canterbury when he was training for Tartan Farm years before, and he was a friend of mine, and obviously he was in town and. Uh, at that time, Street Sense was coming off the Breeders' Cup win and had not started. That was his first start as a three-year-old. And Johnny V was on any given Saturday, and he's looking over his shoulder. Where's Calvin at? Where's Calvin at? Well, here comes Calvin, 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 Real Riding Burrell. And, and they hooked up. Those two Colts hooked up from the quarter pole to the wire, and they just exchanged head bobs, and they both laid it on the line. And and Street Sense won by a schnoz. But, uh, and then the little filly Teppin on the turf. I mean, she was just such an amazing, amazing filly. She would just get so, so far back. And I mean, Julian, Julian rode, rode her with so much confidence. And I mean, I, when she won the Hillsboro, he turned down his stick. You know, he was, he was probably 25 lengths behind and she was so far back. I had to drop my binoculars because I thought something happened to her. You know, I thought maybe she, you know, she broke down or she, you know, he, he went off or something. And there she is way, way, way back there. And she came a flying. So, and then Cephas in the, uh, in the, in the Derby when, uh, Woody Stevens and Woody Stevens and Eddie Maple run him down from 25 back. So probably those three, uh, Cephas in the Tampa Bay Derby, uh, Teppan in the Hillsborough here, and then Street Sense, Street Sense in our Tampa Bay Derby here in 07. Those are probably my my three most fun races that bring back a lot of memories. And I've, uh, trust me, I've worn out the tapes on those quite a few times, uh, sitting around here in the evening sometime and say, well, let me. Let me watch Old Street Sense win one more time. <laughs> oh, wow. I mean, terrific thoroughbreds that you're talking about there. The fact that Street Sense then went on to win that year's Kentucky Derby. And yes. Teppan, I saw her at Royal Ascot when she won the Queen Anna. I think it was 2016, oh. if I'm correctly. Yeah, 2016. Had to look that yes. up really quickly. But yeah, wow. Wow. She I mean, was something else. Yeah. She really was. She really was. I mean, for you to, to be able to retire with memories like that, that must be extra yes. special. And I'm glad that the racing industry isn't losing you altogether, that you'll still no. be involved. Hus hustling a couple of rides. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know what? I'll just be, uh, I've kind of slowed down a lot on that. But I mean, we'll, we'll, we'll be fine. And, uh, you know, I just got a lot, a lot of friends up in the Minnesota. I, you know, I called, I called seven Minnesota derbies before they ever had peer mutual wagering at Canterbury. But when I was up in Winnipeg at Assiniboia Downs, and, um, and so, you know, I, I got a lot of friends up there. And, uh, yeah, it, it'll be fun and uh, mix it up with, uh, you know, jumping on the plane and flying into a fishing lake and, and you know, in Ontario and uh, back and forth. And uh, yeah, looking forward to it. Hopefully, you know, God willing, I can stay healthy and uh, and, um, you know, keep 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 active and uh, 
but yes, yeah, still, still be, still have a, still have a little bit of a toe in the industry anyway, a little toe in the pool, I guess I should put it. <laughs> I'd say that every single racetrack in the US would be more than welcome, more than happy to welcome you <laughs> once again. Richard, thank you so much. Uh, Tampa Bay legend. Uh, I, I must admit, I really enjoyed just listening to your stories and I wish you all the best in the near future. Well, thank you so much. Thank you so much for having me on and uh, God bless you and your family and uh, let's take care and, uh, and let's just go make some more memories. That's what it's all about. Maybe this is just me, but I could listen to him dish out life advice any day. An extraordinary career highlighted by that get up and go lifestyle that has become synonymous with American racing. Thank you to everyone for tuning in. And if you get the chance to say hello to Richard, please do and wish him well. One of the mainstays in horse racing that I got the pleasure to chat with and listen to. That's all for me for now. But um, the nerves are definitely starting to kick in for the Preakness draw this Monday. Last year was my first one ever. Uh, I was very fortunate to have Acacia Courtney by my side, who is a massive help. Let's make sure that microphone is turned on this time instead of me having to turn it on in the middle of talking which definitely was making my rookie ass even more nervous. Fingers crossed for a fun renewal. Even a glimmer of what we witnessed on the track with Authentic and Swiss Skydiver would do it for me. Where will you all be watching uh, The Preakness from? Let me know via social media, at Naomi Tucker on Twitter, my first and last name, relatively simple, and chat to you all next week. Of course, in the meantime, keep picking those winners and bringing in those fans. <laughs> <laughs>